this autumn night. In a Wall Street apartment, 12 flights above the last gasps of Broadway, a little boy, almost all grown up now, sits in a room and tinkers with his science project. The school fair is until next week, but his folks have made it clear. Either he wins, and the world is his metaphor, or he loses, and his college education will be subsidized by the state of New York. Next, the 
beginnings of Act One, The Accidental Terrorist. But first, a word from our sponsor. Salmon's Run is made possible by a generous contribution from the Glowcorp Corporation. Glowcorp, have it our way. At 8 o'clock the following morning, Salmon Wojcinski stumbles out of Fulton Center into an exterior of blinding hangover sunlight. In his head reverberate the ramblings of a drunken plain neighbor, the one who had plugged up the window seat and took up the elbows of his middle seat and told him repeatedly that to the left there are morons, and to the right there are morons, and in the middle there are morons like you wouldn't believe. The guy had said voting didn't make a difference. You were just electing a new monkey to hoard all the bananas. Salmon tried to ignore him, responding only in his broken Polish, but eventually the flight attendant had forced his hand, asking him if he wanted the chicken, the pasta, or the fish, and in a moment of panic, Salmon had forgotten the Polish for all three words. Now it's morning. And Salmon has taken the air train to the LIRR from Jamaica to Atlantic Avenue where he switched over to the 2-3 train and rode it all the way down here to Fulton Street. And he looks up at the sky, but he can hardly catch a glimpse of it through all the construction. The sidewalks are littered with potholes and backhoes and front hose, giant shelves of concrete just lying stacked and stacked in the middle of the road and fettered off with yellow tape. It's amazing how much change three years can bring. New York has always been a city on the rise, but damn, Salmon can't even see the sun anymore because of a giant red crane in the way, grating the light through rusty slats, superimposing a rigid grid on the sidewalk. It's a windy morning, and the crane, extending 40 stories or so, sways a little. A wrecking ball hangs from the top like the bob of a fishing lure. Attached to the line, an American flag. All around him, the commute swarms, the bankers, brokers, analysts, investors, traders, regulators, and all the other etceteras. Salmon has no interest in them, but they do make him feel dirty. Physically so, and quite so, for backpacking across Europe with the bare minimum of euros in his pocket did not leave him with time or money for regular shavings. An extended stay on the continent has left Salmon looking somewhat haggard. He stops at this deli examines himself in the chrome of its door frame, and he sees that his beard grows and does not cease to grow. His hair has become so scrappy and kinetic that he dons a round cap to hold it all in. He has become tan and porous, heavily porous. The sun, in its infinite wisdom, has exposed deep craters in his nose and cheeks. 
long way from that kid who just graduated from Kenyon and said, Hey, why not Europe? lips and imagines a cigarette in between them and looks up to the sky and thanks the good lord for being a smoker with a pack in his pocket and not just any pack but a smooth french pack and he pulls out his galois and lips one out of the cardboard and slips it further into his mouth with his teeth and lights it on fire with a match not just any match a french match and stares at the lettering Printed across the matchbook. Now he walks around looking for Dean Street, looking for McBride's apartment on Dean Street, just off Fulton Street. And upon finding Fulton Street, realizes with a thud of his hand against his forehead that he has come to the wrong Fulton Street. McBride lives in Brooklyn. Brooklyn's Fulton Street runs along a Rockaway-bound C train, not a Bronx-bound 2-3. Salmon has hightailed it in the complete opposite direction. Man, it has been a long time. But he must finish his cigarette before depositing himself back onto the subway. And he does this with a gentle, even pacing, as the nicotine distributes itself throughout his limbs. When the cherry of his smoke has just about reached the filter, he throws it at a garbage can, missing it entirely, the butt falling just short of the bin. walks away, but a voice in his head entreats him not to. In some countries, the police or the Garda or the National Protectorate would have him caned for littering. For this reason, to honor where he has been, he would like to impress some newfound cleanliness on his dirty old home. So he eyes the garbage can. He walks back to the garbage can. He sees the trash strewn all around the garbage can, all around the sidewalk, then bends over and begins the task of retrieving his cigarette butt, a task hard to accomplish without his glasses, which he had buried deep within his hiker's backpack for safekeeping. Hopelessly myopic without them, he can only bumble around on the ground, but eventually he finds the cigarette butt and picks it up and walks back to the garbage can and prepares a toss imagining the flick of the risk needed the angle of the elbow to take how he has to aim and finally having steadied his hand he whips the cigarette butt into the garbage can which Which 
promptly explodes. Explodes and then whistles into the sky. Plummeting into the carbuncle of that big red crane. Big red crane. Now fire, lots of fire. The American flag falls victim to the fire, rippling away in the smoke, burning to a quick. And salmon can hear a metallic groan as the crane leads left, leads some more, leads all the way over, and finally clatters all the way down. Crushing a bodega, a deli, a mini a grocery store, a couple of apartment buildings, and next to that, the complex of Fulton Center, the whole square block taking the brunt of the crane, the glass oculus splintered by the crane. Train car, glass shards flying everywhere, concrete blocks tumbling into the street. Salmon rubs his eyes with his fingers. This is not good. As the crane, and the terminal, and the bodega, and the deli, and the mini mart, and the grocery store, and the rest of the city block burst into flames, Salmon Warzynski cultivates a new opinion of the situation. Okay, this is not good. Salmon rubs his hands over his eyes now, diminishing the peripheral image of a police officer approaching him, and turns to run, but faces a boy in blue instead. Sergeant Daniel Trujillo, standing with one arm akimbo and the other pointed at him, palm upturned. Of course, Salmon doesn't know this police officer from any other cop on a beat. He just sees the badge and the gun, and to Salmon Warzynski, this is troubling. This is not good. He opens his mouth. It was an accident. Trujillo nods. I saw, but you gotta stay with me. Salmon shakes his head in disbelief, but to the cop it looks like mutiny, so Daniel draws down. I gotta take you in. It's the safest thing for you. Trujillo has this look in his eye, as though he'd rather take Salmon's palm in his own than keep holding the gun at him. But there's also the gun. So Salmon has no idea what to do. If he stays, what will it mean for his future? If he runs, what will it mean for his life? Salmon starts to hear yelps of pain around him, and the relentless sound of cars honking out their distress. Against this backdrop of screaming and beeping and honking and smoldering glass, words begin to make themselves known. Phrases even. no ambulance yet, perceives no fire truck, 
The officer must radio in and report the situation behind him. But to do so, he'll have to divide his attentions between Salmon and his radio for a split second, and a split second is all that it takes. Salmon runs. Runs uptown. Runs uptown as fast as he possibly can. And Trujillo, having seen the explosion firsthand, knowing this man to be as much a victim of happenstance as anyone under the rubble, opts not to shoot him. The young man disappears from view. And Trujillo thinks of putting in a radio call to alert officers for... For what exactly? Some dumb American kid who happens to look like a Middle Eastern terrorist? How, in any way, would that end well for the kid? It wouldn't. From prior experiences, Trujillo knows how due process suspends itself in these moments. How police wagons make unscheduled visits to the garage for tune-ups. And how nothing is out of bounds before the official photographs are taken. Trujillo turns around, surveys the damage, rubs his temples, addresses himself. Better get me a fucking medal for this. But he won't. It is what it is. And what must be done, must be done. So Daniel Trujillo trudges into the wreckage of Fulton Center hoping that he'll be one of the lucky ones to make it out in one piece. You've been listening to Salmon's Run, written by me, Nick Masidi. It's also been engineered, scored, performed, produced, voiced, edited, mixed, and mastered by me, Nick Masidi. But none of this would have been possible without a generous contribution from the Glowcorp Corporation. Glowcorp. Try it. You have to.